Thank you. I am somewhat overwhelmed. Something about being with God's people that excites me um, and being with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, it, it is a joy. Um, I'm amazed at God's goodness and his grace that a young boy from Woodline would be hanging out at an Anglican church. <laughs> this is... Um, this is uh, in incredible and uh, it allows you to peek into my prayer life often. And I say, God, that this is um, only your doing because the Lord is the one who order our steps and direct our path. Um, Emmanuel, you are so blessed to have an incredible, loving, caring pastor and shepherd. Thank you, Father Aaron. Would y'all do me a favor and help me thank God for Father Aaron. He loves you, and it, he wears it on his sleeves, and um, it's good when we have shepherds like that. Listen, I had a homiletical dilemma um, this past week. As I looked at the, the text that was assigned to me, and today I'll focus on Matthew 9, um, actually looking at verses 9 through 13. However, my homiletical di dilemma was this. Either I could preach 25 minutes or 55 minutes. And I won't tell you the end of my dilemma until the sermon is over with. If you have your Bibles or if you're looking um, in the handout, Matthew 9, um, verse 9 is where we will begin I've been praying for multiple times, but I want to pray again, if you don't mind. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are products of your grace and your mercy. We are living examples and witnesses of what you do with men and women who are fallen and who are broken. You take us in. You love us. You adopt us. You care for us. You shepherd us. And, Lord, you make us family. And, Lord, it is such a joy for us to pause, to, to be still, and, and, and to gather together and to remember that you are God. Lord, there's so many things in our lives that is competing for your role and who you are. But God, today we know and we are reminded that you are God. And we have come today to be refreshed, to be recharged, to be renewed, and to be encouraged. And, and to renew our devotion and our commitment to you. And so, Lord, I pray that as we bask in your word, that you, Lord, will open up the eyes of our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would send your anointing that makes preaching easy. Help me to speak with simplicity, with clarity, and with power. And give us all ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Father, breathe on this meager manuscript. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. May you be glorified, God, and your people, may they be 
edified. Remove any and all distractions this morning. We pray all of this in the name, for the name and the fame of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever been surprised? Maybe it was that time when someone was hiding in the wings and they jumped out to surprise you. Or maybe it was that letter you received in the mail, that, that unexpected high bill. Or maybe it was that letter that was that unexpected check. Do it again, Lord. Or maybe you're like my friend who moved here from California and was surprised by the winners of Chicago. Or maybe you heard a surprising story like I did from my oldest brother. He called me. He said I was in the grocery store. I was in the checkout line. There's an older woman in front of me. The cashier had just finished ringing her out. The lady gave the cashier, her card, the cashier swiped it, declined, swiped it again, declined, swiped it again, declined. Cashier looked at the lady. She said, do, do, do you have any other form of payment? Sense of sadness, the lady said, no. My brother said, he, he stepped up. He said, ma'am, I'm a Christian. I have good values. I teach my children good values. And I want to help. Lady looks so rejoiced. He says, I want to help you put all of this stuff back on the shelf. <laughs> His joke surprised me, too. However, in our text, there is a surprise, but it is not a joke. In our text, there is a surprise. It is not offensive. It is not scary. However, this surprise may make you cry. This surprise may cause joy to well up in your soul. This surprise will help you. It'll help you. It will not only help you and fill you with hope, but maybe family. And friends, there is a blessed surprise here in our text. And, and, and I want to read it for us again, that we may be surprised together. And as we walk through this narrative, in verse 9, it says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. He arose and followed him. Did you notice that everything about Jesus is surprising? That, that we are always surprised at what Jesus is doing. And, and, and last week, we, we learned from verses 1 through 8 that, that everyone was surprised. When, when Jesus shows up and, and, and he heals this paralytic man and tells him to rise and walk. And we know that that really wasn't the surprise. It was the fact that Jesus told him that your sins are forgiven. And, and the scribes, when they heard this, they, they said, this is blasphemous. Because they knew that only God could forgive sin. 
but they didn't realize or couldn't comprehend that Jesus is God. Jesus goes on from there. The text tells us as Jesus passed on from there, he, he moves from, from healing one man from a physical ailment to healing another man from a spiritual ailment. ailment. Now, both of these narratives are, are united because it's the reality that sin is the ultimate problem. But what happens next is even more surprising. What, what happens next could possibly be even a greater miracle. Jesus shares two words, two powerful words, two profound words. These words are not burdensome. These words are not troublesome. These words are words of blessings. They are words of privilege. They are words of opportunity. He says, follow me. See, tax collectors, they were hated. They were hated because they were known to, to, to be instruments in, in the hands of the Roman empire. And, and, and as instruments in the Roman empire, they were all, they were reminders that the Jewish people were subjected unto them. Tax collectors will often impose more taxes as a way to enrich themselves. Tax collectors, they, 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 they were considered to be traitors. They, they were considered to be apostates. They were considered to be unclean and defiled because they were in contact with pagans. They, they were classed with sinners like harlots and pagans. If you were a Jewish tax collector, you were excommunicated from the community and from the traditions. So Matthew, Matthew would, would, would have thought of himself as a sinner. Matthew would have understood why the rabbis wouldn't speak to him. He would have understood why other Jews had refrained from having a relationship with him. But can you imagine this moment for Matthew? When, when this intelligent, wealthy Jewish outcast is approached by Jesus, can, can you imagine the thoughts that danced through his mind? Can you imagine how his heart was, was fluttering? See, many scholars suggest that Matthew knew who Jesus was, that Matthew possibly heard Jesus' teachings, that Matthew heard Jesus' sermons, and possibly Matthew may have even witnessed many miracles by Jesus. And here Jesus is speaking to him. Here he knows that now Jesus sees him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gives him an invitation. What we see here is that Matthew is surprised by Jesus' mercy. He is surprised by mercy. See, mercy is the act of withholding judgment to share kindness. It is the act of withholding judgment to share kindness. And we know that this is not an isolated incident in the scriptures because we know that our God is a merciful God, that he withholds judgment to show kindness to us. And, and, and when we look at what happens just right here in verse 9, there are three things that just stand out to us. The first thing is this, is that Jesus sees Matthew. He cares for Matthew. He loves Matthew. 
And there may be somebody here under the sound of my voice, whether you are in this congregation or you are watching online, you need to know that God sees you. You need to know that God loves you, and you need to know that God cares for you. I know this is elementary. I know this is trivial. I know that this is simple. But listen, when you've been wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in sin, you need to know that God sees you. You need to know that God loves you, and you need to know that God cares for you. Because when you're wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in sin, people stop seeing you. People stop caring for you, and people stop loving for you. But I want you to know that God loves you, and he sees you. The Bible Bible says, listen, when your mother and your father forsake you, that God will be there for you. And you need to know that God loves you and that God has a plan for you and God sees you in whatever booth of life you find yourself in. God sees you. Not only does Jesus see him, but what does he do? He speaks to him. I love this. It's not just the fact that Jesus speaks to him. It's the fact that he is able to comprehend. He is able to understand exactly what Jesus says to him. See, see, when the Lord speaks to us, he not only speaks to our ears, he speaks to our hearts. That, 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 that he penetrates all of, the, all of the other things and he gets directly at our hearts. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. When we can hear God's voice, and we can comprehend his voice, and we can understand his voice, this is powerful, and it is profound, and it is an act of mercy that we can hear from God. And then Jesus says to him, he gives him this invitation. He says, follow me. This is a privilege to enjoy. There is no other greater mercy that can be demonstrated to anyone than to have God invite us to follow him. This statement speaks of of, of being into a close relationship with the Lord. This is a picture of, of, of Matthew walking in step behind Jesus being close to him, having this personal, intimate relationship with him. And not only is Jesus inviting him to be in relationship with him, but Jesus is inviting him to join him in ministry. This is a call for a sinful man to be entrusted with the things of God. This is mercy. I read a story recently of a a man his name is Billy. And Billy would go to the junkyards to find stuff that other folks would throw away, that other folks would discard and consider no good or worthless. Billy would take these things to his garage and he would turn this junk into contemporary art pieces. And he would sell them on the upwards of $5,000 a piece. He go he finds junk that is worthless in everybody else's eyes, and he turns it into a masterpiece. And when Billy looks at junk, he sees more than what meets the eye. He sees a masterpiece in the making. He takes things that are worthless, and he makes them into something. I want you to know that Matthew may have been successful on the outside, but he knew that spiritually he was worthless on the inside. 
And the reality is, is that without Christ, we are all worthless on the inside. Some of us, it doesn't take us being worthless on the inside. We, we may feel even worthless on the outside. But Jesus is able to meet us in the junkyard of our lives, and he is able to wrap his arms around us and love us and save us, and he makes us into a valuable masterpiece. And it is because of his mercy. Jesus' message to Matthew is that of mercy. But what is surprising is how Matthew wants others to know this same kind of mercy. In Matthew's gospel, he, he, he doesn't seem to give us great detail of this event. Luke, however, helps us with just a few more details of this event. I'll read it for you for your hearing. In Luke 5, 27, it says, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. It's also Matthew. Sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he arose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew goes to make a feast. He, he goes to, to throw a party. Why? Because he has been surprised by the mercy of God. And he wants to celebrate the one who has been merciful to him. But watch this. Not only does he want to celebrate the one who has been merciful to him, he wants his friends to know this man of mercy. He wants his colleagues to know this man of mercy. He wants others who have been excommunicated, those who have been marginalized, those who have been hated, those who are hopeless and those who are helpless, those who have been judged and those who have been looked upon, those who, who have suffering, those who are disappointed, and those who are disheartened and those who are discouraged. He wants them to know this man of mercy. So he has a party. This scene, it is beautiful. Yet again, it is surprising, isn't it? It is surprising to the religious leaders. And even many of us, it is surprising to us. Here are a few things that are surprising. One is that sinners are enjoying time with Jesus. That sinners are enjoying Jesus and his disciples. Secondly, Jesus knows how to be with sinners and not become a sinner. Jesus knows how to be with sinners and not become a sinner. Three, Jesus is willing to get dirty to redeem the filthy. 
the religious leaders. They approach the disciples. You can almost imagine the disgust on their faces. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? How? How, how can he be around these, these evil people? He can't smell the stench of sin on them. Why is he not ashamed to be enjoying fellowship and food with them? They are not asking a question. They are actually making an accusation and charge. See, they didn't understand the, the mission and the purpose and the plan of God. Friends, Jesus didn't come to live an aimless life. No, Jesus is very intentional. He is very strategic. He is very missional, and he is very merciful. And in verse 13, he explains his mission. For I have not come, for I have not come, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The righteous. Jesus is almost being cynical here. It's this reality that there are those who are self-righteous, that there are those who have deemed themselves to have met God's righteous requirements and that they are right with God and everybody else is wrong with God and they don't need any help. They don't need any support. They got it all figured out. They don't need any spiritual healing. They're not broken. They're not poor spiritually. They have it all together. Jesus says, I, I haven't come to save them. He says, I have come for the sick, for those who know they need God's grace, for those who know they need God's mercy. The sick are those who know what they did last summer. They, they, they know that their ways are, are sinful, and they know that only God can help them. Jesus came for those who will seek his mercy. He came for those who will lean on his grace, those who are humble enough to say that I don't have it all together. And Lord, I need your help. I, I, I can't buy my way into heaven. I, 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 I can't make sacrifices enough to get into heaven. There's nothing I can do on my own, but Lord, I need your mercy. See, friends, those who receive mercy, Give mercy. Those who receive mercy become merciful. And when we live and operate and walk in mercy, we are being like God. This is what Jesus means. When, when, when he says that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. As Jesus looks back to, to this language in, in Hosea, that we need to understand what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Sacrifices was something that, 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 that people gave, but it became common. It became sterile. It became meaningless. But here, what the Lord is talking about is, is that your, your sacrifices won't win you any favor with God. Your sacrifices don't save you. The Lord desires those who desire mercy. In other words, when you are merciful, you are more like God. 
You've been changed by God. He has gotten a hold of your heart, and he has changed your heart. And, and, and now you too long to be merciful. You too long to share what God has shared with you. I'll wrap up. I'll tell you a few stories. There was a group, missionary group. They were serving in Africa. And in this one particular town, there was a little girl who would be sitting in the mud. Sometimes she would even be laying in the mud. But she wouldn't talk to any of the missionaries. And all the missionaries, they would try to talk to her, and they would try to reach her, and they really wanted to minister to this little girl. And one missionary, after months of trying to reach this little girl, one, one missionary decided to sit in the mud with the little girl. And then she started laying in the mud with the little girl. And eventually, the little girl started talking to her while they were in the mud. And then she was able to do ministry to this little girl who was in the mud. And one day she was able to get the little girl out the mud to get her in the shower. See, missionary could have looked at the little girl and said, she's dirty. She just don't care. She don't want to get it together. It's her fault. It's her family's fault. She could have looked at the little girl and, and been judgmental of the little girl. But instead, she gets in the mud with the little girl. Friends, when, when we talk about mercy, sometimes it is a call for us to get in the mud. It is easy for us to leave the confines of our Christian comfortability and to go into the world and to be judgmental with people who are dirty and who are smelly and they are stuck in sin. Instead of us praying to the Lord, Lord, how can I enjoy time? How can sinners enjoy time with me? How can I be with sinners and not become a sinner? How can I get dirty without becoming filthy? How, 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 how can I get in the mud? with the people. Why? Why would anyone want to get in the mud? Because Jesus left heaven to come to a muddy earth because we've been stuck in the mud. We've been stuck in the mud of sin. And Jesus came down to, to lift us up, to, to pick us up and, and to clean us up. But he was willing to stoop down and get in the mud. He was willing to, to leave heaven and take on a ministry of mercy. So why, why, why would we be merciful people? Because the Lord has been so, so merciful to me. Now, some, your heart is broken. Your heart is torn by life. You've been in the mud for so long, and I want you to know that Jesus sees you. Jesus loves you, and he cares for you, and, and, and he wants to get in the mud. He wants to pick you up out of the mud. But you got to give your heart to him. And now some of us, we've been avoiding the mud 
We've been looking past the mud. We, we, we've, been, we've been like the story in the Good Samaritan. We've been walking across the street, pointing to the people in the mud. But God is calling for us to get in the mud, to get in the mess. What would that look like for you? What would it look like for you to be a man and a woman of mercy, to get in the mud with people? Like Jesus got in the mud with you. Like he got in the mud with me to redeem us, to cleanse us, to save us. See, friends, it's actually when we get in the mud, when we are people of mercy, that is the greatest sacrifice we can offer. When we are conformed into the image and the likeness of Jesus, when we are merciful like him, that is the sacrifice he desires. That is the worship he craves. And it is the kind of worship and the sacrifice that the world around us need and they long and they look for. Not for us just to be clean and pristine, but we're willing to get our hands dirty and our feet dirty. Because we know the one who can clean us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we forget that we were in the junkyard. We were in the mud. We were a mess. Nobody wanted to deal with us. No one liked us. No one claimed us. No one favored us. People gave up on us. Well, they lied to us. They told us what we wanted to hear. They wasn't honest with us. But Lord, you met us in the mud of our lives. You showed up in our sinful booths. And you called us to yourself. You have graced us and you said, follow me. Lord, we thank you that you have saved us from the mud of sin. But Lord, there is a world around us. They don't know your mercy. They don't know your love and they don't know your grace. Would you use us, Lord? to be your agents, to be your hands and your feet, to be men and women, boys and girls who are merciful. All for your name and for your fame, Jesus, we pray. Amen.